Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of my podcast. Today, I have a long-awaited special guest here on this episode, my dad, and he's going to talk about what it's like to be a nurse on the front lines of this pandemic. But without further ado, let me let him introduce himself. Welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Jonas, Alyssa's dad. Okay, so what is your current occupation? You're a nurse, but tell us what your occupation is. For your audience, I'm a registered nurse, emergency nurse, certified in emergency. So that's what I've been doing since about, I think, 93. Uh, Yeah, I'm a nurse. Okay, you guys heard it first. He's an ER nurse. And we were like talking a little bit about his career and he mentioned that he started out his nursing and nursing career at the start of the AIDS pandemic or HIV. Was it AIDS? Tell us about that. It's called AIDS when you get the disease. Okay. Okay. So yes, HIV. Um, I entered the uh, profession uh, during the time when there's, there's no treatment for AIDS, uh, no therapeutics, uh, young people died. Uh, and unlike this COVID, it would take anybody, um, uh, re- regardless of age. age. Uh, so young and old, in the middle, uh, actually a lot of young people. So uh, I just, uh, my career started watching uh, uh, and caring for these people. So a lot of them died. I don't know the stats. I don't remember the stats of how many people who died um, during that time, but it's it's a lot. Uh, but if I compare it with COVID-19, uh, this is much worse, much, much worse. How is it much worse? Like what is the severity of this pandemic that we're in now? Like, I know it's really, really bad, obviously. But talk about your own experiences, especially like when did you start to see an influx of COVID patients in your ER? Okay, it's probably like mid-March. All right. How easy is it to get this? Very easy. I've gotten it. And it's because I work in, a, in such a concentrated area. Um, it's in the air. So it's not like you have to inject this stuff or get a blood transfusion, or, or have an open cut on your skin. It's not like that. You inhale it, which, is, which means it's in the air somehow. It's probably very tiny, uh, and you need a good amount of it uh, uh, to get you sick, but over 220,000 people dead here in the States, that means a lot of people have gotten it. Yes. So back in March, back in like late March, I remember when you and I got sick. So when my dad got sick, it was because he contracted it from his patients in the ER. Now, how many how many COVID patients did you have at the time? Because I know that was the very start. It's unknown. And that's what makes it dangerous. The less you know, the worse for you. So uh, probably the concentration was very high. And back then, they didn't test unless you had symptoms. 
So my role in the ER is uh, triaging. Triage is a, it's a nurse that, that takes an initial complaint and, and puts a patient in a category, whether emergent or not emergent or, or completely nothing else or minor. Um, yeah, so I received a lot of those patients, symptomatic, asymptomatic. We had our PPEs, but uh, that virus passes through N95 easily. Uh, so it, it became... Uh, a game of, of, of the time, the amount of time you spent with the person and the uh, concentration that you got. Okay, so you told me like back then when you were working, when you had like your first few COVID patients, like shortly after that you got sick, but then you got a call from your boss telling you that you had like two or three COVID patients that you dealt with that you didn't know at the time. Was like, is that correct? Or like, what, what was the T on that? Tell us. What's a T? The T, like spill the T on that. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. No one really knew how many patients were there. Yeah. I get a call. And around that time that I got a call, guess what? I started feeling symptoms. I felt chills, achiness, feeling fatigue. That was the first early signs. I, I was probably exposed maybe a day or a day or two days before that. Uh, and that's when I, I started feeling sick. I thought it'd go away in a couple of days. It did not. It just got worse, Alyssa, as you know. Yeah. All right. So this dragged on. Okay. One week. I mean, chills, fever, vivid dreams at night, um, aches. I lost my sense of smell, lost my taste. As did I. Okay, so you know how it feels. And uh, food didn't taste right. So that's around a week. Uh, in, in two weeks, I dropped a lot of weight. I remember seeing 133 pounds. Uh, that was probably a drop of uh, uh, five pounds within, like, that's too fast for me. Uh, even even if I was cycling and, and training and training hard and putting in a, a lot of hours and miles in a week, I don't drop that fast. Okay, so you were sick for like three weeks? Like, yeah, it was like three weeks. No, I would say three weeks was uh, the part that I could say I can't get up. I can't I can't tolerate exercise, even walking to take the garbage out or uh, walking up the stairs, uh, I'd have to stop and rest. And, and I just kept it to myself. I don't know if you've seen me, but I would just stop. And, you know, sometimes I felt like I was going to uh, pass out, especially in the shower. It was weird. And, and other co-workers who've, who've gotten sick told me about that. Scared to go into the shower because I feel like I'm going to pass out. I was like, yeah, me too. Uh, so that was three weeks. Uh, let me go back. Day 10, uh, day 9 or 10, I went back to the ER to get myself checked. This is my second visit. They did uh, blood work, chest x-ray, and CAT scan of my chest. And it turned out I had uh, pneumonia. There's no cure for this. It's, it's a virus. It's not like you could take an antibiotic 
And it was around that time that, that they were promoting hydrochloroquine, which was complete bullshit. So nobody knew how to treat this. So I just said, let me uh, do the things that I always did that promoted health. Okay, so what were some of these things? Like, share with the listeners, because how you handled the virus, well, your case was pretty bad. Like, it was pretty bad, but you weren't hospitalized, thank God. But, like, what remedies and things that you did that helped promote your health? First is clearing the mind of all stress. Just, just forget about everything. Concentrate within yourself. Dig deep. Just X out all kinds of things. If you notice, I stopped watching the news. I stopped watching it because it didn't help me. It just brought on a certain anxiety that I didn't need. It didn't help me. A part of resting, but also there's a part of exercising up to a certain tolerance. So I did that. I would walk. I would do these deep breathing exercises where you just breathe in deep, hold it for a while, and then exhale. But I did that outside because I knew I would just spew out all that coronavirus. So, uh, and I'm sorry, Alyssa, I got you infected. I know I did. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. It's all good because we both have the antibodies now, but like we'll get to that in a second um so after the three weeks of hell dad when did you know and how did you know that you were clear enough to go to work again no it it, it, i didn't know when i was clear to go to work right it was day by day there are times where it would it would the symptoms would spike up then go down spike up go down within the same day. Uh, I watched my heart rate really go up, especially at rest. Uh, I remember at night, 10 o'clock at night, and, and I'm, I'm lying in bed checking my pulse. It was uh, in the 80s, and, and I never run that high. Uh, in fact, my, my heart rate overnight when I'm sleeping, it's around 41, 42, the low. Uh, I could get it really high when exercising. I've gotten it to 182 uh, with my cycling. Uh, but but uh, in bed, 80 beats per minute, that was way too high. It was kind of scaring me. Um, I never experienced headaches. Okay, so just so the listeners know... If you guys don't know my dad, a lot of you guys listening do. Like, my dad's really, really athletic. He's a cyclist, and he does many miles a week. So my dad is in, like, top-notch form. He is really healthy. He doesn't really eat processed food, although I've seen him bring back donuts from the hospital on occasion, but other than that, his diet overall is really like healthy and wholesome and he is in good shape. So that just goes to show like, even if you are healthy and in good shape, like the virus is 
too easy to get and you could still have a really excruciating case like my dad did. But then you're also kind of old. <laughs> How old are you, dad? Bye, Alyssa. Okay, moving on. So when you were clear enough to go back to work, when you tested did you test negative before you got back to work or you went to the doctor i remember and he said you're fit to go to work yeah it was just a medical clearance to go back there there was no testing retesting uh but but i'm sure uh i would have probably turned negative that doesn't mean you don't feel sick because i did it took a good month uh was what is it uh five weeks before i returned yeah and even then i didn't feel a hundred percent i didn't feel a hundred percent uh even now sometimes uh i remember in august i still didn't feel right mid-august and then it, it it's gotten a lot better so when you were clear to go back to work what was that return like to be back at the place that kind of put you in hell like how was that mentally for you mentally it was i was scared you you took a bullet right and then you made it and then you got to go back Mm -hmm. nobody knew how this was going to affect you Mm -hmm. right so you got ppes uh you have distancing, uh, but 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 that was it. So you don't know if you're gonna get infected again. I, I went right back into it. Uh, so I observed myself. I was I was I was still in the thick of you know COVID patients, and uh, I observed myself. And guess what? I didn't feel any sicker. I probably uh, built up some kind of immunity, I think, but no one, no, no one could really tell you that you have. I know we tested for antibodies, and uh, uh, they actually gave us levels. Remember, Alyssa? Yeah, right? I remember. So they they gave me a quantitative amount of IgG, I think it was, and it was uh, at a hundred and twenty nine. Uh, my my sickness was uh, uh, at a higher level than yours were. Your, yours was really mild. Yeah, my case. Uh, was so, so yours, mild. You, you had an antibody level of thirty two. Yeah, it was like thirty two point three or something. Okay, so I was one twenty nine. So nobody really knows what that means. So was I hit by a bus, and then like you were just like got pooped on by a bird or something what (laughs) okay so like i get what is the igg like for the 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 listeners because i think i don't really understand what it is so like there's different antibody tests that are out there that um my cousin took an antibody test for corona and he tested positive for antibodies but it didn't give him a quantity like it didn't give him like um a quantitative number but for us like for me for example I got 32 like 
on a scale of whatever, it said that in my antibody chart that if you test above 14, then you have the antibodies for coronavirus. So I'm 32. Does that mean I have 32 antibodies in my blood? What is the 32? What is that? What is like the unit for that? Like, is that a level or a living of some sort? I think 32 is what your age is now after Corona. Actually. And 129 is my age. Actually, after, though. After Corona. Okay, Alyssa. I've, I asked uh, infectious disease specialists what that meant. Nobody knew. What? Nobody knew. So the scientists will put us in a category. They'll learn that uh, people uh, at at 100 and above uh, do much better than people uh, 25 and below. Okay. I'm just making that up. But one day they'll, they'll put it in a classification, a category, and tell you if your titer is good enough or you need a boost of some sort. Okay. So right now the boost would be to throw you in the subway in rush hour at a resurgent, but don't do that. Don't yeah. Do that. Yeah. Don't, don't be stupid guys. Don't do stupid things where you can like risk catching Corona. Cause it's not the wave. Anywho. So I guess we want to know what the whole atmosphere was like after returning to work in the ER, like how many COVID patients were coming in, like what precautions were being taken on the nurses side, like how, what kind of treatment were you giving these, these patients? There were not much treatment. All right. It was oxygen. They were, I remember they were giving vitamin C. Uh, they would give antibiotics to prevent secondary infection of the lung. And back then, they intubate a lot of people, which was actually the wrong thing to do. Well, okay. They didn't give steroids. They should have. Uh, because this, uh, this, they learned, is an inflammatory process. And steroids is something you give uh, as an anti-inflammatory. Uh, it was a, a, a little bit later when remdesivir started popping up. That's an antiviral. I think they developed it for Ebola. Oh, yeah. All right. So, but since Ebola is a virus also, uh, there's some, some kind of similarities that, that uh, when they did the numbers, uh, remdesivir lessened the hospitalization days that a COVID patient had. So if that's the only thing you got, then that's it. I mean, there were all these crazy uh, things they tried, Pepsid, uh, you know, for the stomach. Mm-hmm. They thought that worked, and it, 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 it didn't. Uh, and, of course, hydrochloroquine <laughs> didn't work. Uh, we don't even know if vitamin C works. And a lot of people died, you know, in every hospital here in this, in this area. Uh, what you see in the news is true. You know, in the back of the hospitals are, are trucks, refrigerated uh, trailer trucks 
where they had to hold bodies for weeks at a time because uh, they just couldn't handle uh, the volume of people dying. So they just, you know, it's, it's gruesome. And, and to think about it, you know, piles of body in the back f- uh, from people dying from this. So, so that's what I came back to. Uh, it's gotten a little bit better, but we're not out of the woods. No. Okay, so I feel like that's interesting for a lot of people who are either into, like, trying to get into the profession of nursing to hear, or just people who are just curious that have no knowledge of this subject matter. So I wanted to ask you, since seeing all the devastation that this pandemic has brought upon all of us, how has working in the ER with COVID patients, I don't, I don't want to say like one-on-one, but, you know, like face-to-face, how has that changed your perception of life? Okay, I've, I've never been prouder of what I do. All right, I, I'm still seeing... Uh, COVID patients, and uh, uh, of all the patients I've seen, they're, they're the uh, neediest, all right? So, so I don't mind. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to help a patient like this um, because uh, you could imagine it's scary for them. It was scary for me, and I know how you felt. And even as you've gotten better, you're still scared to go outside uh, and mix with a with the general population, and and rightly so, because you just don't know uh, how are you going to be, how how you'll react. Will you get it again? Will you never get it? Uh, just stay safe, and until you get a vaccine that's been tried and developed uh, with good science behind it. Uh, for the meantime, just stay safe, all right? Wear a mask. What's, what's with a mask? You know, it's, there's no downside to it. Uh, in fact, it'll help you avoid a cold. So uh, no big deal. I don't understand why there's so many people against this. I don't know why there's such an escalation in anger and divisiveness with just the issue of a mask. It works. Just, just wear it. You know, it's, it's really not for you. It's for the other people. You'll be doing your part in, in the deceleration of this virus. Okay. So I want to jump into some questions from some of the listeners. Listeners? What are you, what? About this, why are you laughing? I didn't know we had listeners. <laughs> so Okay, go ahead. Oh, I will. Cousin Marco, he says, Hi, Lissa. What's, what's your schedule like at the hospital? Stay safe, all of you. So what was your schedule like, like the, the peak? During the peak, my schedule was lying in bed for like five weeks straight. What is your ske- What was your schedule like at work? What is it currently? Has it changed? No, it didn't change, Alyssa. You know, as a nurse, we work 
12 and a half hours a day, three times a week. You could put in more time if you want. If you want to drop a kidney and overwork, yes, that's what you do. Some of my coworkers, they make a whole lot of money and, you know, good for them. Uh, I'm not quite uh, ready to give up my kidney. I like to ride my bike, as you know. I like to be outside. And when I'm off, it's the furthest thing on my mind to, to go to work. Uh, but yeah, uh, ever since I entered this profession, it's, it's three days a week, Alyssa, four days off, sometimes even more. Sounds good. I mean, it's better than nine to five, like five days a week. But you're there from like nine to like God knows when. All right, moving on. Um, my one girl, she's my birthday twin. She says to you, Dad, thank you for your work. And then she said that she read that COVID may be a blood disease. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've seen articles circulating around the internet about like studies in China, uh, like investigating the link between blood type and the susceptibility of like contracting the virus. So do you know anything about that? Or like, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, I'm not a scientist, but I know there's studies that they're linking this to certain genetic traits. And I read one, uh, the Neander- Neanderthal trait. So what is, what is the Neanderthal trait? God, if I know, maybe like walking on all fours. I don't know, <laughs> Alyssa, I really don't know. But, uh, that, you know, the, uh, we, a lot of us descended from that. A lot of that trait, uh, the genetics were passed down. Some uh, uh, don't express themselves. Um, and some predispose you to certain diseases, cardiovascular, cancer, all kinds of stuff, uh, depending on your genetics. Uh, as different as we are from each other, uh, lineage uh, and family traits get passed down. Uh, a diabetic is most likely going to give an offspring to a diabetic. Uh, breast cancer uh, could run in families, uh, women in, in, in certain families. Um, just like your susceptib- susceptibility to, to the flu. Uh, could be uh, partly genetic. Um, You could go on and on. I'm really pissed off about the genetics that I'm losing my hair. That that genetics, that that trait really is pissing me off. Yeah, yeah, we need to do something about that. So, um, anywho, so do you think that any of these studies being done in any of these like articles being posted, do you think they carry any weight or validity? Uh, it depends on how they did the study. And, and I'm not a scientist. I don't pretend to be. Uh, but there's good signs and bad signs. And depending on how that outcome of that study is, people will use it. But there are good studies out there. And if, if you... Uh, read and and uh, try to digest uh, what what they've said. Perhaps the the key is in there. 
but there's probably a lot of noise, a lot of uh, contradicting stuff. It, it also depends on how you want to sell something. You could find a scientific study uh, saying that smoking is good for you. I'm sure it's out there, but we all know it's not. Uh, so, you know, but the overwhelming science, uh, it's going to emerge and, and we'll find out more about this. I mean, there's like, a, I feel like there's an overabundance and oversaturation of like information out right now on the internet. So nothing's like proven. So there's still a lot to be discovered. So next question from my girl, Elena. So, oh, Elena. Hi, Elena. How you been? I hope you're staying safe. Elena, my dad misses you. Okay, so she asks, is there something that you wish more hospitals or medical officials would address? Uh, probably the, the biggest thing is uh, protecting their workers, number one. Number two, educating the community about this because uh, they could play their part in, in giving the right information, especially... Uh, to the already confused uh, person who, who's being given uh, misinformation and truth and they don't know which is which. And yeah, so, so a, a hospital could do that. But mainly the hospital has to be a mainstay in, in, in treating people who are ill. So, so they have to protect their workers and make sure that, and even burnout, that could be a, an issue. Uh, how much fatigue are, are healthcare workers in? Uh, so that's an issue. Very well said, very well said. Now, that was all the questions we had for, like... That's it, three listeners, Alyssa? Your cousin, your friend, and your friend? All right, guys, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you gained a lot of value out of that, and I hope you stay tuned for more because I have a lot more guests lined up for my upcoming episodes in the future. So until then, guys, have a good day. Dad, do you want to say anything to the listeners? All right, y'all, keep safe out there, right? Peace, and don't be mad at the next guy next to you. Bye.